Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tim Ferriss, author of The 4-Hour Workweek, The 4-Hour Body, The 4-Hour Chef, Tribe of Mentors, and just like the name of this podcast, Tools of Titans. This is a short-form podcast, most episodes just 10 to 30 minutes long, where I will be sharing actionable tips from Tools of Titans, which is a compilation of my favorite habits, routines, and tactics shared with me by world-class performers across nearly every field imaginable. After years in the making, the audiobook version of Tools of Titans is finally available, and you can download it at audible.com slash Ferris, F-E-R-R-I-S-S. The lessons in Tools of Titans have made me happier and healthier. They have made me more effective and literally saved me years of wasted effort and frustration. In short, they've changed my life, and the hope is that through both the audiobook and now this podcast, they help change yours. Please enjoy this episode, and if you'd like to listen to the other 100-plus profiles and chapters from Tools of Titans, please check out audible.com forward slash Ferris. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a formula for greatness, the closest we'll ever get, I think, is this. Consistency driven by a deep love of the work. Life is a continual process of arrival into who we are. Maria Popova. Maria Popova. Twitter. At BrainPicker. BrainPickings.org. Has written for outlets like The Atlantic and The New York Times. But I find her most amazing project to be BrainPickings.org. Founded in 2006 as a weekly email to seven friends. Brain Pickings now gets several million readers per month. Brain Pickings is Maria's one-woman labor of love, an inquiry into how to live and what it means to lead a good life. She often reads a book a day, distilling the most timeless and meaningful wisdom worth remembering and sharing. Her quality and output are staggering. Spirit Animal, Standard Poodle. Behind the Scenes Maria has a tattoo on one forearm, much like Ryan Holiday, that says, What to Focus On, with a bullseye-like circle below it. In the very middle of the circle is the word, Happy. From Maria. This is a piece by the artist Mark Johns, which I had on my wall for years. When I was going through a particularly difficult period in my life, I decided it was one of those simple, enormous truths we so easily forget— and a wonderful incantation of sorts to wake up to. To make it as inescapable as possible in beginning each day, I put it on my arm. Sometimes the best no is no reply. Why put in the effort to explain why it isn't a fit if they haven't done the homework to determine if it is a fit? Maria could spend all day replying to bad pitches with polite declines. I think of her above policy often. Did the person take 10 minutes to do their homework? Are they minding the details? If not, don't encourage more incompetence by rewarding it. Those who are sloppy during the honeymoon at the beginning only get worse later. For a hilarious example of how to spot check attention to detail, Google David Lee Roth Ferris. Neil Strauss will often put at the very bottom of his job postings on Craigslist, do not email a response, call a phone number, and leave a voicemail with A, B, and C. Anyone who responds via email is disqualified. Don't succumb to replying to everyone out of guilt. From Maria. Guilt is interesting because guilt is the flip side of prestige. 
and they're both horrible reasons to do things. On saying no to the siren song of media inquiries. Maybe appearing on CNN for two minutes will make your grandmother proud, but if the travel and the preparation and the logistics eat up 20 hours of your time so that your writing suffers and you will ultimately not be proud of the result, then maybe it's not worth it. Often I think the paradox is that accepting the requests you receive is at the expense of the quality of the very work, the reason for those requests in the first place. And that's what you always have to protect. Tim Ferriss. This is precisely why I've stopped nearly all investing, speaking engagements, and interviews. Maria shared how famed neurologist and writer Oliver Sacks, rest in peace, used to put a piece of paper on the wall by his desk that simply said in all caps, NO! with an exclamation point. It was to remind himself to decline invitations that took away from his writing time. What text do you refer to again and again? Right now, and this answer might be different in another nine years, the diaries of Henry David Thoreau. Speaking of this intersection of the outer world and the inner world, nobody writes more beautifully about the immutable dialogue between the two than he. There is just so much, and I mean so much, universal, timeless truth in his private reflections. On everything from the best definition of success to the perils of sitting, which he wrote about 150 years before we started saying, sitting is the new smoking. All those artists and writers who bemoan how hard the work is, and oh, how tedious the creative process, and oh, what a tortured genius they are. Don't buy into it. As if difficulty and struggle and torture somehow confers seriousness upon your chosen work. Doing great work simply because you love it sounds, in our culture, somehow flimsy. And that's a failing of our culture, not of the choice of work that artists make. Thoreau writes, the really efficient laborer will be found not to crowd his day with work, but will saunter to his task surrounded by a wide halo of ease and leisure. There will be a wide margin for relaxation to his day. He is only earnest to secure the kernels of time and does not exaggerate the value of the husk. Oh, think of what a beautiful metaphor this is for not mistaking the husk, the outer accoutrement of productivity like busyness or a full calendar or a clever autoresponder. Not mistaking those for the kernel, the core and substance of the actual work produced. And he then says, those who work much do not work hard. I love that. Ours is a culture where we wear our ability to get by on very little sleep as a kind of badge of honor that symbolizes work ethic or toughness or some other virtue. But really, it's a total profound failure of priorities and of self-respect. To remind ourselves of this profound failure, Maria, I, and at least six other guests in this book read and recommend On the Shortness of Life by Seneca. Maria's header image on Facebook, and a good rule to live by. This should be a cardinal rule of the internet and of being human. If you don't have the patience to read something, don't have the hubris to comment on it. Note-taking, distilling the gems. Maria and I have a nearly identical note-taking process for books. 
I highlight in the Kindle app in the iPad. And then Amazon has this function where you can basically see your Kindle notes and highlights on the desktop of your computer. I copy them from that page and paste them into an Evernote file to have all of my notes on a specific book in one place. I also take a screen grab of a specific iPad Kindle page with my highlighted passage and then email that screen grab into my Evernote email because Evernote has, as you know, optical character recognition. So when I search within it, it's also going to search the text in that image. I don't have to wait until I finish the book to explore all my notes. I love Evernote. I've been using it for many years, and I could probably not get through my day without it. If Maria is reading a paper book and adding her notes in the margins, what she calls marginalia, she'll sometimes add BL to indicate beautiful language. I use PH, standing for phrase, to indicate the same. We both create our own indices at the beginning of books on near-blank pages, like the title page. This makes review later much faster. For instance, I might have PH 8, 12, 19, 47, to indicate the pages where I've found great turns of phrase, and I'll add in more page numbers as they pop up. Reading in Motion Maria does most of her long-form reading at the gym on the iPad. Her first choice is an elliptical where she does high-intensity interval training, HIIT. Plan B for cardio is sprints, which preclude reading, which is why they're Plan B, and Plan C is jumping rope. She travels with a weighted jump rope. When in doubt, scratch your own itch. When Kurt Vonnegut wrote, write to please just one person, what he was really saying was, write for yourself. Don't try to please anyone but yourself. The second you start doing it for an audience, you've lost the long game, because creating something that is rewarding and sustainable over the long run requires, most of all, keeping yourself excited about it. Trying to predict what an audience will be interested in and kind of pretzeling yourself to fit those expectations, you soon begin to begrudge it and become embittered, and it begins to show in the work. It always, always shows in the work when you resent it. And there's really nothing less pleasurable to read than embittered writing. Tim Ferriss. To keep things fun for myself, I include inside jokes and Star Wars references in my books that only a few friends will get. In The Four-Hour Body, there was one line that drove copy editors crazy. Because I'm a man, man. It's a long story. Out of more than 4,600 articles on brain pickings, what are Maria's starting recommendations? The Shortness of Life, Seneca on Busyness and the Art of Living Wide Rather Than Living Long. How to Find Your Purpose and Do What You Love, Nine Learnings from Nine Years of Brain Pickings. Anything about Alan Watts. Alan Watts has changed my life. I've written about him quite a bit. What is the worst advice you see or hear given in your trade or area of expertise? Follow your dreams. It's impossible to do without self-knowledge, which takes years. You discover your dream or sense of purpose in the very act of walking the path, which is guided by equal parts choice and chance. Three people or sources Maria has learned from or followed closely in the last year? 
Three writers and thinkers who I came to know through their exceptionally insightful and beautiful writing and who have since become dear friends. Memoirist, novelist, and essayist, Danny Shapiro, a kind of Virginia Woolf of our day. Science writer extraordinaire, James Glick. Cosmologist, novelist, and science and society cross-pollinator, Jenna Levin. What is the best or most worthwhile investment you've made? A very rare edition of Maurice Sendak's illustrated poems from William Blake's Songs of Innocence. Short and sweet. The culture of news is a culture without nuance. If you could guarantee that every public official or leader read one book, what would it be? The book would be, rather obviously, Plato's The Republic. I'm actually gobsmacked that this isn't required in order to be sworn into office. Like the Constitution is required for us American immigrants when it comes time to gain American citizenship. Hi all, this is Tim again. Thank you so much for listening. The full audiobook of Tools of Titans, which includes more than 100 chapters like these, can be found at audible.com slash Ferris. And if you like long-form interviews, feel free to check out my long-form podcast, The Tim Ferriss Show, which recently crossed 500 million downloads. It can be found at tim.blog slash podcast. It's a place to start. I might recommend Jamie Foxx, Elizabeth Gilbert, and Jim Collins. There are hundreds to choose from, but those are three really fun episodes to start with. And until next time, I wish you and yours all the best in these turbulent and uncertain times. Please stay safe. And again, thank you for listening.